0: Welcome, this is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Good morning. Welcome to our show today. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Becker Investment Group. Today, we're going to talk about an issue that's not only a problem in our city, but also a big problem across the country. With the current statistics showing the US unemployment rate rising from 3.5% in February to 14.7% in April, the highest level since the Great Depression, poverty and homelessness, well, they obviously increase as well. People are struggling. Families are struggling. Almost half of the homeless in Wisconsin are families. But on any given night, there are only enough shelter beds for about half of this homeless population. So what can be done? There are organizations that are stepping up in a big way. My first guest today is Maureen Atwell, Executive Director of the Hebron House in Waukesha. The Hebron House is the oldest nonprofit organization in Waukesha fully dedicated to providing emergency, short-term shelter, and long-term housing solutions to individuals and families. Welcome to the show today, Maureen. Thank you. We talk a lot about why people do what they do. I think it's, it's inspiring to hear how people use their passion and their talents to make a difference in the lives of others. I love the quote that says, purpose is the reason you journey. Passion is the fire that lights the way. Now, we've heard some really interesting personal journeys over the last few years on this show. So tell us a little about your journey and why serving people living in poverty became so important to you?
2: So it's, a, it's not a, a straight path. <laughs> it was quite a journey. And I actually started volunteering with the homeless about 20 years ago. I've been volunteering in shelters and doing sort of fundraising for a long time. But I only just came to Hebron House about nine months ago. So it was a, a really long journey to get here. I began working with the homeless a long time ago. I don't remember exactly what kind of set it off. I think I got maybe an email from a shelter, like a, a solicitation email saying, hey, we're in need of socks and portable toiletries and uh, little personal size toiletries. I do remember that really clearly because I thought that is so weird. <laughs> That's such a strange item to be in need of socks and personal size toiletries. Why, why? And I kind of let it go for a while. And then I remember for some reason, I just couldn't get it out of my mind. Why on earth are they so desperately in need of socks? So I ended up calling the shelter myself and saying, um, you know, I, I got this email, the solicitation email from you that said that you're looking for socks and toiletries and I'm just wondering why. And they explained to me that the homeless typically don't get socks donated because when people are finished with their socks, they throw them away and and they probably should throw them away, frankly. But it means that a lot of homeless people don't have socks. And when I was calling, it was the dead of winter. I think it was January or February. I was living in New York City and it, it was really cold. And I just thought about people being on the street without socks. And it really, it just, it, it hit something in me and so the toiletries, I, I was kind of like, why, you know, why do people need toiletries if they're homeless? Why the personal size toiletries? Cause I'll, I'll buy some full size shampoo bottles. That's horrible for someone to be without toiletries. And they said, well, you know, people who are homeless, they're carrying around everything they own and they don't have the luxury of carrying around these huge bottles of shampoo and conditioner and soap and mouthwash. And so having these small little portable things makes it a lot easier on them. And that to me really hit a chord because I myself from, you know, kind of early in my adulthood have had a lot of times where I didn't have everything that I needed. And my story is that I uh, went right into the workforce. Um, I basically didn't go to college until I was in my thirties. And I was, you know, a young person with a high school degree. I was lucky I had a high school degree but I was um, working for many, many years at minimum wage jobs. And there were so many times where I could not make ends meet and where I was really, really scared and didn't have enough to eat. And I was lucky because there are so many people who ended up a lot worse than I ended up. And you know, kind of along this journey, that's why the homelessness situation really spoke to me. And that's why I got involved with volunteering But then in the meantime while i was volunteering for the homeless and just working my regular jobs i began traveling and that was my passion i really really enjoyed traveling the world i went on a solo 14 month round the world trip i you know would save my money i lived in mexico for nine months it was so important to me to be able to travel when i was traveling i saw things that i never thought i would see and i remember being in cambodia and seeing children who had been victims of landmines and people who had been human trafficked for their entire lives from from childhood on upward. And there were these organizations that were helping them. And I really wanted, I just felt called to help. And so I ended up volunteering in Cambodia and later in Thailand um, with some of these organizations. And while I was volunteering with them, I I felt kind of... um, helpless I, I felt like what can I contribute other than what I'm giving right now because I can help them sweep the floors I can help them serve meals I can help send envelopes you know like whatever it was that I was helping them with it's like this is gonna last for a day but once I go home the help that I give what it's not gonna have a huge impact that's what that's kind of when I started thinking you know I was already in my 30s at that point and I was like you know what I want my college degree because I want to be able to make a big difference in the world, and I want to have the ability to, to do that, and if I don't have a college degree, I, I can't make as big a difference as I want to make. So when I went home from that trip, like I said, that was a 14-month trip. When I went home, I enrolled in college, and I worked full-time during the day and went to school full-time at night, and um, kind of right away, but, um, you know, I can have an even bigger impact if I go to law school. So I went right from college to law school. And when I got out, I went right into public interest law. And I worked in the district attorney's office for seven years. I worked for uh, Waukesha County for a few years in their child support division. But when I saw, you know, and, and kind of this whole time I was working my way up in, in a leadership role. And when I saw that there was a leadership role in a homeless organization in Waukesha, I couldn't believe it. I mean, the fit was just perfect. And so um, I, was, I, I got the role in September of uh, 2019. I've been there ever since, and I cannot tell you how happy I am that this it's, it's like this path that was so twisted, is all, it, it all becomes clear now in my mind.
1: And uh, we are taken on on uh, journeys through our life experience for a reason, right? I mean, there's we're where we're supposed to be usually for a bigger reason. And you had told me that uh, you moved into the basement at least temporarily at the Hebron House so you could be there with your staff to provide the services they needed to the community. So tell us about these important services that you wanted to be sure Hebron House provides
2: so um hebron house we actually recently changed our name in um september we were hebron house of hospitality but we do so much more than just a shelter um and so we changed our name to hebron housing services so that to better reflect what we do because we have three different homeless shelters we have two low-income housing units and we do case management for the homeless so this is um this is a, a really big footprint that we have, and we have a really, really big impact on the community. Um, our, we have two shelters that are emergency shelters, short-term, basically 30 to 45 days. And we have one shelter that is a, a pretty rare shelter. It's considered a safe haven shelter. And um, that is our Jeremy House shelter. That's for people who are mentally ill and chronically homeless. And that's a little bit longer term shelter. Our typical stay in that shelter is about six months. So um, the the different things that we do, the different services that we provide for this community are so incredibly important in terms of providing emergency housing, providing um, low income housing, which is, is certainly something that we do that a lot of people don't actually realize um, and then providing case management services for the homeless and providing that kind of longer term st- stabilizing home for people who are really, really struggling with chronic homelessness and mental
1: illness. Well, and you said that you've got uh, three different homes, one of which is the Juno House. Um, what's special about the Juno House and, and how is that different from other shelters?
2: So um, I am incredibly proud of, of Juno House. That is um, just something that I think is really unusual. And that is that in the traditional shelter system, um, the shelters were typically uh, gender specific. So men in one shelter, women in another shelter. And that meant that families got split up and homelessness is really hard on children. It's really, really traumatizing. And to have the family split up is even more traumatizing. So our Juno House shelter has family rooms. And that means that families can stay there together. So anybody who comes in and presents as a family is allowed to stay in their own room. And that means that families don't get split up. And I think that that is so incredibly important to children and to families in general facing homelessness.
1: Absolutely, that's a wonderful uh, offering uh, that makes the Juno house special, right? Um, In America, 69% of homeless, live in emergency shelters or transitional housing, but 31% are unsheltered, living on the streets or in abandoned buildings, vehicles, or parks. Hebron House wants to be a part of the solution to change these staggering statistics and end homelessness. So stay tuned as we discuss how they plan to go about that mission. We'll be back in a moment.
0: Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG. Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, with your host, Julie Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community. I'm talking today with Maureen Atwell, Executive Director of the Hebron House in Waukesha. We said before the break, 69% of the homeless are in shelters or transitional housing, but there are still 31% living on the streets. Maureen, what is your approach to ending this problem of homelessness
2: so our approach is kind of twofold Um, we um uh, one of the things we're really proud of about our long-term solution is our case management program so we have case managers and shelter advocates who work with each of our guests to identify the specific reasons why they became homeless and to help them find long-term solutions to their homelessness so we're not just giving somebody a a handout as you will we're not just um, finding a place for somebody to live we're also addressing the underlying reasons why they became homeless whether it's mental illness lack of financial planning skills if they lost a job and fell on hard times we're looking for the reason we're helping them identify it we're helping them form a plan and then we're connecting them with community providers who offer substance abuse counseling job search assistance, job skills training, resume assistance, housing searches, financial counseling, and so, so many other services. So we're not, we're not just looking at what can we do in the short-term, it's an emergency, they're homeless. And yes, absolutely, we have great, great services for the short-term for the emergency, but we're also looking at, at what can we do in the long-term.
1: Right, and as they say, you don't just give someone a fish, you teach them how to fish, right? I mean- exactly. Yeah, um, so what do you see then as your biggest challenges? I,
2: I mean, I think our biggest challenge is always, I think for every nonprofit, but especially for a nonprofit that serves the homeless, um, is just um, funding, you know? And we get some incredible support from the community and our, our, our donors are just absolutely incredible and our volunteers are just absolutely incredible. But running, if, if you can picture running your own house, And every time a furnace breaks or your hot water heater goes out or your driveway needs to be done or your roof springs a leak, you're like, oh my gosh, it's so expensive. It's this big deal. Well, we have three huge shelters and we're sheltering 60 to 65 people. So if you can imagine the expense of running these three enormous houses, and then on top of that, the utilities and all of the supplies that we need. I mean, this is a really, really major operation. And so, you know, trying to find the resources that we need to make sure that we're providing a a really good place for people, it's always a challenge. It's just, it it sometimes seems like there's never enough to go around.
1: And uh, volunteers are so important for you too, right? Our
2: volunteers are absolutely our lifeblood. We have so many different ways that people can volunteer, And some of our most dedicated volunteers are right in the shelters with us, working in the shelters, working with the guests. Other volunteers are doing yard work for us. They're working around the houses. They're helping maintain the houses. It's so incredibly important. Other volunteers can work from afar and they can put together, um, you know, grab and go lunch kits for the children who go to school or they can put together, you know, kind of clean day kits to help us keep the shelters clean. I mean, there's so many different ways that people can volunteer. And that's one of the things I get most excited about, about Hebron House and our volunteer program, because no matter what a person's preference is or what their style is, there is a volunteer task that they can do here.
1: Well and we always like to talk about successes as well. I mean everybody has challenges, but we we know that you have uh, big successes too. you want to share about that?
2: You know I I could tell you about our amazing successes in terms of getting people back on their feet again, but I think just I, I think the thing that illustrates that best is when I get a phone call from somebody saying, um, you know, hey, You know, for instance, during the coronavirus crisis, I had a woman call up and say, hey, I heard that you guys are short on hand sanitizer and I have a huge thing of it at home I wanna donate because I used to be a guest there and you saved my life. And um, you know, we have people uh, apply for jobs with us or people who work with us and we didn't even know and they'll tell me, you know what, 15 years ago, I was a guest here and you saved my life, you changed my life, you saved my daughter's life you kept us off the streets. We were so scared and you made a difference. And those stories to me, those are our biggest success stories.
1: For sure. I mean, may, whenever anybody can make an impact or make a difference in the life of somebody else, that's always an awesome, awesome thing. Um, so tell us then what's on the horizon in the next 12 months for Hebron House. So
2: we have a lot of really exciting things coming up. Um, we have one of my biggest goals since i started in this organization was the um, sienna house shelter so sienna house is our men's shelter and as long as i've been here it has been running from six o'clock at night until seven o'clock in the morning but at seven o'clock in the morning all the men of sienna house have to get out and go somewhere else and where they go just depends on what's going on and where they have to go but it's extremely expensive to run the house 24-7 and we haven't run it 24-7 since 2015 on a, on a regular basis. And my goal, particularly by the time cold weather comes, is to get the house up and running 24-7 from this point forward. Uh, we have a lot of guys at Sienna House who actually have opportunities, particularly in Waukesha, where there's a lot of manufacturing jobs, a lot of the guys will say to us, hey, I just got a job offer, I'm so excited, it's for the night shift, and I need a place to sleep during the day. We don't have anywhere. There's nowhere they can sleep during the day, and you can't work all night, and then what, sleep on a park bench during the day? So I think that this is just a huge, huge problem. And we also, every year, we see a number of homeless people in Wisconsin and even in the Waukesha area suffering from exposure. And we've even had, we have lost people. We have lost homeless people to the cold weather in Wisconsin because they had nowhere to go. And so for me, My biggest goal ever since I started in this role was to get Sienna House open 24 seven. And I am determined to do that by the time cold weather hits in 2020. Uh, The other really exciting thing is that we just got um, some really, really amazing um, uh, grant money to renovate Sienna House. And Sienna House is definitely in need of it. And so we're really excited to start that construction project hopefully very soon and then by the time the cold weather runs around, these guys are really gonna have a place that is comfortable and clean and inviting and shows them that they matter enough to have a really nice
1: place to come home to. That's wonderful. What a great goal. I'm sure that you will accomplish everything that you, that you uh, set out to do, as you've shown you've done in the past. Uh, Thank you. Uh, with us, uh, how did the COVID pandemic affect Hebron House? So um, COVID, the COVID pandemic affected the
2: homeless population harder than maybe any other population. We had a lot of services in the Waukesha area for the homeless that shut down. And for instance, when I mentioned the Siena House does not run 24-7, Most of our Sienna House men go to different places during the day. So they'll go to the Hope Center, they'll go to the library, they'll go to the bus station, they'll go to James Place. There's a lot of different places where they can go. And during the COVID pandemic, all of those places shut down. So we responded by opening Sienna House up for the first time since 2015 on a 24 7 basis. We increased our bed spaces in that shelter and another shelter. We um, implemented a hot meal program for the guests inside of our shelters that was delivered by volunteers, so that people wouldn't feel like they had to go out, and you know the restaurants were closed anyway and um we became short-staffed because uh there were we had a lot of staff members who were unable to work during the pandemic because they had pre-existing health conditions or a family concern and so during that time we became so short-staffed that i was concerned that the houses would continue being able to run and so i myself moved into the basement of one of the homeless shelters for two months a little over two months actually um, so that I could work with my staff and I could take shifts and um, that was a that was a really tough decision to make. I, I think that um, you know I had to leave my family behind for two months, but it allowed us to keep the shelters open. and I think it was also really important because I, I don't think that my family is more important than than my the family of my staff members or the families that we provided a house to. and you know, I had the support of my family in doing this, which was really important. Um, but I also feel really, really strongly as a leader about not asking people to do something that I wouldn't myself do, that I'm not willing to do and to, you know, move into the house and be willing to work on the front line, I I think really showed everybody it's okay to be here right now. It's okay to do this. And my, my team and my staff were so incredible during this time, people really um, you know, during the coronavirus, they really put themselves on the front lines and risked their own health for the sake of others. And, and to me, that was just an incredible opportunity for us to step up and um, just provide an amazing amount of services. We, you know, when everybody else was were shutting down, we increased our services. And that's, that's something I, I think I'll always be proud of.
1: Well, you should be. I mean, thank you for leading by example. You've obviously made a difference for uh, uh, for people in our community. A um, lot of great things happening at Hebron House. Uh, thank you for um, all the great information. Uh, what do you want to leave with the listeners today? What do you want to make sure they take away from the information you shared?
2: So, I, I think that the thing that's most important for me that people understand is that there's this idea of homeless people. I, I think that a lot of stereotypes, when people think of homeless, they think of a guy on a park bench sleeping there for years and years and alcohol abuse and mental illness and, and there's this stereotype and i i really want people to understand that the homeless are among us the homeless are just like you and i they are they are just people who are without a home and um i, I think that one of the things that a lot of people don't know as a statistic that was very surprising to me is that the vast majority of people who become homeless are only homeless for a very short period of time, and they're only homeless once. So we're talking about people who something happened. They were living close to the edge, and they lost their place to live. And it doesn't make them bad people, and it doesn't make them um, you know kind of freeloading on society. It's it's people who something happened, and they experienced Experience this for a short period of time and they experience it once and once they get back on their feet they get back to being where they are and um, and, and I don't think a lot of people understand that I, I think that there's just this idea that the homeless are these um, you know there's something wrong with them and it, it's not like that at all the homeless are just like you and me they're people who lost a job or had an illness or had medical bills or for whatever reason lost their home and their families, their women, their men, their children, their human beings.
1: Yeah, well, that's, it's very wise words to leave with us today and and important, you know, and also, you know, know your resources, make sure that people are aware of the resources that are available. So uh, thank you for being here today, Maureen. Could you please give us contact information if someone wants to reach out? Absolutely, so our website is
2: www.edu.edu hebronhouse.org that's h-e-b-r-o-n-h-o-u-s-e.org and our main phone number is 262-549-8720 all of that information is on our website but any phone number that a person would call in our organization if they need help if they need shelter
1: we will get them to the right place okay thank you thank you thank you for all you do and thank you for being with us today Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You are welcome. Well, we talk about the importance of sharing resources. Know your resources, right? It's it's, it's a nonprofit mantra. Know your resources, especially when you're dealing with something as prolific as poverty and homelessness. Not one nonprofit can be everything to everyone. So stick around to hear from our next nonprofit who works closely with the Hebron House to round out services to the people they serve. We'll be back in a moment.
0: You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guest today is Dr. Anselmo Villarreal, president and CEO of La Casa de Esperanza, a community-based organization dedicated to serving Waukesha's low-income and Latino population, since 1966. Welcome to the show today, Dr. Villarreal.
3: Thank you very much, Jill. Thank you for the opportunity to be here.
1: La Casa de Esperanza means House of Hope. How wonderful is that, right? Who doesn't need a hope in this world? Tell us your story about how you became the president and CEO of the House of Hope.
3: I came to this country, I immigrated to this country uh, in 1984, and I came to pursue a master degree in economics. And after I finished, you know, I I saw uh, an opportunity, uh, position at La Casa de Esperanza. La Casa de Esperanza was looking for an associate director. So I called, and I, and and I they gave me uh, the opportunity to be interviewed. During that interview, I was extremely impressed about the strong strategic plan that La Casa de Esperanza has had since the late 70s, early 80s. My background is in economics and, and definitely that solid strategic plan was very, very attractive to me. So uh, also uh, I understood more about La Casa de Esperanza. I learned about the mission and, and I was very fortunate to be to receive the opportunity to work as an associate director of La Casa. Uh, two years later, I had the opportunity to become the president and CEO of La Casa de Esperanza and I have had the honor to be serving at La Casa Esperanza for for 30 years. You know, however, five years ago, you know, uh, I decided to go back to school. I saw the beautiful array of programs that La Casa offers to our community. However, I could still see an incredible need, particularly, you know, in in the education of our children you know we were providing excellent beautiful early childhood education program before and after school program however it wasn't enough our latino kids were still you know performing significant you know uh less than other children with more resources or more fortunately so i went back to school to pursue my doctoral degree and my doctoral degree was my dissertation the thesis of my dissertation was about how to reduce the significant educational achievement gap between Latinos and, non, and non-Latinos. So I, I wanted to become again more knowledgeable about about education and about how to address that critical issue. Because as people say, and I agree, you know, the greatest equalizer in life is education. And uh, and even though La Casa provides so many great services to the community, if we don't if we don't. Concentrate on the root causes of the problems. You know, it is very hard to break that cycle of poverty. So, so that's how, that's how um, you know. I that has been my journey for the last, and I have had, as I mentioned before, the honor to be at La Casa Esperanza to serve at La Casa Esperanza for 30 years.
1: And I'm sure that uh, La Casa de Esperanza feels that it's a great honor to have you there in the leadership role. Tell us more about the organization itself. Uh, What do you specifically offer?
3: Well, first of all, La Casa de Esperanza has an incredible board of directors, you know, that provide just great leadership. They are extremely involved, you know, in the in the policies in the future in the strategic Direction of La Casa de Esperanza. La Casa de Esperanza has five major components. One, uh, the first one is our little ones. It's our early childhood education program, which concentrates with children from six weeks to three years old. Then we have a, a charter school uh, that, right now, it's from K4 to fifth grade. Then we also have a, a, a center for financial stability that provides uh, a a number of services to our community to our community with the main goal to make our our community a self-sufficiency community we also have two buildings with 71 apartments for the elderly and the handicapped and we partner with Waukesha County to provide nutritional meals to our seniors. And finally we have our weatherization program. It's a program that helps low-income individuals in Jefferson County, Waukesha, and Milwaukee to make their homes more energy efficient.
1: Wow a lot of different things you guys offer. I don't know that people are aware of that. Again that's why we do these interviews so people know about what the resources are. I understand that uh, La Casa de Esperanza opened a charter school in 2015. Tell us about that and the services that you provide there.
3: La Casa de Esperanza, uh, for many years, have had the dream to open a charter school. It was a, it was a long journey. It took us 10 years for us to be able to open open the school. Our board of directors again was extremely persistent and extremely strategic about opening opening La Casa Esperanza charter school. And the main reason why we opened La Casa Esperanza charter school is to reduce to eradicate the significant educational achievement gap between low income kids. Latino kids and more African children. So we in 2015 we opened a Casa Charter School with T4 and K five. Then every year we have been adding one grade. This coming September we're planning to open fifth grade.
1: Wow. Okay. So K through kindergarten through fifth grade currently. That's correct. Okay. Okay um well being able to and that's wonderful again you're you're taking all those wonderful services and then you're going the next step understanding like you said that education is so important and we agree uh, we absolutely agree education is a key factor so um also being able to assimilate in the community in which you live we feel is is also very important um La Casa de Esperanza has a program that helps individuals and families Navigate through social programs and services so that they can assimilate and also create positive change. So we'll be back in a moment to explore that more.
0: Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host Julie Conamo on News Talk 11:30 WISN.
1: Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Bill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. And I'm talking in this segment with Dr. Anselmo Villarreal, President and CEO of La Casa de Esperanza. And and Dr. Villarreal said it was fine if I refer to him by his first name, Anselmo. So Anselmo, you have a program that helps individuals and families Navigate through social programs and services to help them assimilate again, but also to create positive change in the community. And it's uh, a program uh, or a location or a place that is called the Center for Financial Stability. So, can you share with us uh, the services that they provide?
3: Yes, uh, you know our Center of Financial Stability, you know, has the main goal. Make our community a self-sufficient self-sufficiency community. No one came to this great country looking for, you know, help from the government, you know, or expecting ongoing help of the government. Uh, the United States is, with no doubt, the greatest country in the war, and the reason for that is because the United States take care of the most vulnerable people, and this population, of course, needs long-term help. However, the United States also, you know, take care of new immigrants, new people that are struggling to, to, to make ends meet. So our goal in our center of financial stability is to make sure that these subsidies, that that support that the government provides to our community, you know, has a beginning and an end. So we, our goal is to equip. All our clients with the tools that they need, so they can become self-sufficient, and and they don't have to receive these subsidies from the government. And someone else can receive these subsidies. You know, we're extremely proud of our community, and we always um, uh, reiterate to our community what a privilege it is to live in this great country. It's extremely important. Our community knows and be thankful of the opportunity that they have of being here in the United States, because unfortunately our countries from orange of orange uh, does do not provide the opportunities that the United States provides. So we equip our community first. Our committee needs to find a job. So that's the first thing that we do. We uh, we work with a number of corporations here in Waukesha and then we uh, find a job for our community but our job starts there when they when they find when, when they get a job because usually it's a startup job so we challenge them to go back to school we challenge them to understand the importance importance of a budget, for them also to understand the importance of the credit report, how much money they can save, you know, if they have a higher credit report. So we, we work very comprehensive, you know, with all our clients, again, with the call for them to become self-sufficient from a financial perspective, and of course, also, you know, we encourage them and we challenge them to pay that forward, to never forget that the reason why they were successful is because someone was willing and able to help them. So they have the responsibility to help someone else in the future. So it's a it's a it's a beautiful center that provides a number of services from workforce development. So financial financial literacy to transportation to access to other great services in this community with the main goal again that our community becomes a self sufficiency community
1: wonderful what a great uh pay it forward mentality that that you have you know again it's we love to talk about that kind of thing on this show you know you you've been blessed in such a way and how can you then turn around and be a blessing to someone else and it sounds like uh, you and and providing the leadership at la casa de esperanza and the people that work there are, are doing that so beautifully um, do you have some some stories to share with us about some individuals, uh, like success stories on uh, how the House of Hope has provided that hope to them?
3: Yes, absolutely. Again, during the thirty years that I have the honor to serve a La Casa de Esperanza, I have seen so many people go through the doors of La Casa de Esperanza, and every year, you know, at our annual dinner, you know, where we celebrate our birthday, our anniversary, where we thank our community, you know, I always say that uh, uh, Waukesha is one of the greatest community in the country. You know, we have people here that uh, are very well. Uh, uh, also interested, you know, in the well being of the community in general. So we're again very thankful, very very honor, very generous, for the general support that we receive. But uh, every year at the gala, we have a special award that is called Esperanza Award, which means Hope Award, and we highlight an individual that uses the service of La Casa de Esperanza to become self-sufficient and to and, and to really uh, do provide better for their family. So, so, so again, there are so many people that we have moved from being homeless to uh to now have uh 25 dollars 28 dollars uh an hour job you know to to be able to buy a home you know people that uh, our recipient uh last year you know moved from homeless to homeowner 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 in a in a period of five years you know which is uh in my opinion remarkable you know and and, and again providing the support that critical for for his kids he's children attend our school so it's a it's just a beautiful beautiful uh, uh story all over but we have hundreds of stories at la casa de esperanza and again we couldn't do the work that we do without the great support that we receive from our community here in waukaja
1: wonderful we love those stories we love to talk about uh uh the success of individuals that go through your the program that the nonprofit provides talk to us a moment about the impact of covid19 and how are you preparing for the future
3: well as we all know uh, through the statistics the latino community has been you know affected you know significant is one of the if not the most affected community you know uh with covid 19. Uh, the majority of our community members are you know are uh, people that are working in, you know, at the grocery stores, are cleaning the hospitals. We also, of course, have nurses or uh, police officers. So, so the impact has been has been incredible. You know, we have a an incredible staff. You know, we have been open uh, through COVID nineteen. You know, our early childhood education program is considered, you know, uh, essential program. So, we have been open with a, with a, with a new normal, you know, with a lot of, a lot, I mean, we're checking temperatures We're completely, uh, cleaning and, and using, you know, all kinds of special, uh, products, you know, to disinfect, disinfect all the services. So, so it is a new, it is a new normal. Our school has been closed since March 13. So we have been providing, you know, education, you know, uh via via uh technology, you know. And and unfortunately, you know, we have been able to reach seventy two percent of our kids, but we have been struggling with twenty-eight percent of our kids. You know, we have offered chromos, but uh but it's, they haven't been unfortunately responding to that. And going to understand that, you know, when you have a single mom with uh multiple kids, you know, and and two jobs or three jobs in many cases it is very hard for them so so we we continue to 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 think very strategic uh, how to reach you know this this 28% of the children you know that at this moment haven't been responsive to to the education that they need and as you know uh, we cannot we cannot eradicate that uh, education achievement gap we are not able to provide the direct services so it's a new it's a new way of of living that uh, that we are adjusting
1: Well, you're obviously doing a lot of great things uh, for the community. What would you say is your greatest need?
3: You know, well, as, as everyone knows, you know, every nonprofit has greater needs than resources. So of course, you know, resources are always our greatest need, you know, again, we are blessed We're thankful for incredible support that we receive every year and we never, never take that support for granted. We work very hard, you know, to make our, our, our donors, our, you know, sponsors proud of their, of their investment because we see their contribute contributions as an investment. However, we're always, always in need, particularly now with COVID-19 where our expenses have increased. And our revenue has decreased, so it's not the ideal, the ideal combination for a for a non profit. So, uh, intellectual capital is also very important. You know, uh, people that would like to donate their services, would like to volunteer. You know, a la casa, uh, we invite. Uh, if it's one thing that people ask me, what do you want me to do? I uh, I, I always ask them, just do me do us one favor visit La Casa de Esperanza, take half an hour, 45 minutes and visit La Casa de Esperanza and see the services for Okay.
1: Okay, wow. well, that's a call to action for our listeners. If you're curious about uh, La Casa de Esperanza, go visit. Uh, if, if someone wants to reach out, uh, Selmo, who would they talk to? Do you have phone numbers? What, what's your contact information?
3: Absolutely. We have our website, which is lacasadesperanza.org, or our main line is 262-547-0887. Again, 262-547-0887. Okay.
1: Well, thank you very much, Dr. Anselmo Villareal, President and CEO of La Casa de Esperanza, for joining us today and sharing your passion uh, for uh, helping in the Waukesha community. Thank you. I'd also like to thank my guest today, Maureen Atwell, Executive Director of Hebron House in Waukesha. Thank you both for sharing your passion for serving in Waukesha County. If you would like further information about what we talked about today, or you would like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at or you can call our office at 262 Join us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to learn more about some great people and nonprofits doing great things in our community. You can tune in either on the a.m. dial, a.m. 1130 on your radio or you can go to News Talk 1130 on your computer or your tablet. You can also listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. You can just visit our website at alanbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows or you can now listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. I hope you found the information we shared today helpful as far as how you can use your passion and your purpose to help others in some way. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a wonderful Sunday.